y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Too Legit. Once again, this is your girl, Anna, aka Anna Mission. And I'm Kelsey Jandok. I go by KJ, aka Cage the Doer. Yes, this is a podcast for non-traditional law students with non-traditional backgrounds. Our goal of this platform is to give those who are thinking about law school or who are already in law school some tips and tricks on how to navigate the legal profession, but in a strategic way. If you've heard our podcast in the last, I don't know, four seasons now, (laughs) you would know (laughs) that I was a former registered nurse. And I'm a former flight attendant and still currently a serial entrepreneur. (laughs) Today we have such a special guest. As you guys all know, I just recently moved back to Washington for my externship at the Supreme Court of Washington. And lo and behold, I realized that I had actually met my new supervisor in June 2019. So literally right before we started our one all year. And I told her that I remember meeting her when she was the keynote speaker at the WSBA diversity event in June 2019. And I told her how she was literally goals for me. At that, at that time, she was actually running for a city council member. And now, just about three years later, she won that seat as city council member for Tequila, is the associate director of the Office of Court of Innovation, a Filipina community leader, wife, mom, and my boss that is actually helping me to create more access to justice for all in diversity, equity, and inclusion through innovation in the courts. Please welcome none other than City Council member Cynthia Delastrinos Johnson. Oh my God, thank you for being here today, Cynthia. Hello, hello. I'm happy to be here with you all. Yes, this is such a dream for me that I feel like I kind of visualized from the, that three year, um, three years ago, and I here know. we are on on the podcast together. So, thank you so much for making the time, and not only you know helping to guide and teach me at school uh, through the externship, but supporting me all the way around with every single endeavor. And I can't tell you how much that means for a law student, and especially for, you know, a woman of color in this field and just to see your objectives, the way that you carry yourself, how humble you are and how easy to get along with you are. That's the reason why you are goals, in my opinion. So thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) You're going to cry already. (laughs) Well, it's it's all true, you know, and I think that's what um, the the space is also needing to welcome besides um, non-traditional people and people of color. But you know, really good people that are trying to do well in the world and um, are like that on and off the stage, really. Mm. So it's it's nice to see that in everyday life. But yeah, yeah thank you. KJ uh, moved back to Washington. She was, all she could do was just brag about you. And I was like, we need to have her on this podcast. Like, she sounds like somebody I want to get to know. <laughs> so just thank you for being on this podcast. And I know taking time out of your busy day, to, you know, teach us how to be political interrupters. Um, That's the topic for today. But before we get started, for those who aren't externing with you, um, could you please give us a little background on where you're from and what you did before law school? Yeah, so um, I, my parents are from the Philippines. They immigrated uh, to the U.S. to Seattle in the 19th. (laughs) Yeah. In the 1980s, um, I am, there's, 
I've, I have four sisters, so there's five girls. Wow. Uh, wow. Family, I know, pretty crazy. And most of my uh, extended family is actually still in the Philippines. So growing up, um, it was very much just me and my family navigating this new country by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I grew up in Seattle, went to, you know, Seattle public schools. I pretty much haven't left <laughs> yet. <laughs> I'm born and raised uh, here in Seattle now, of course, living in Tukwila because, you know, we mm-hmm. won't get into gentrification, but that's what's happening <laughs> in our city. <laughs> um, and what is, so uh, in order to, what I really want to share is sort of my path to mm-hmm. go to law school because mm-hmm. when I came here, you know, I didn't know any lawyers. Um, my parents didn't even know the process of get, going to college. And it was really up to like my sisters and I to really figure out how to yeah. navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so it, it, what, what changed for me or what really inspired me to become a lawyer despite not having, you know, role models to look up to or people to guide me was there was a class in high school that I took called Minorities in America mm-hmm. that really helped me understand the history of race in America. Mm-hmm. And so I like just side note, I'm a huge proponent and believer uh, in critical race theory and how important that is for our society. Was this in um, high school or college that you took this class? It was in high school. Okay. That's it was pretty in awesome. High school. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, you know, since then, there's there's been a fight, like, of, of to include it or to not include it. And my high school mm-hmm. was was very much, like, it was located in Seattle Central District, an area that had been redlined. Um, where the African Americans like were redlined to live in that in that area, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was just so important that we understood that part of our history. Uh, what I realized because my parents and I think this is true of like you know a lot of immigrant families they just stress how important education is, and that mm-hmm. was always That's education education mm-hmm. never right. about like what about our history or our role in society. It was just around education. And so Mm -hmm. what I was seeing at the time was I was in advanced placement classes and I was wondering why all the students of color were not in my classes. And I was sitting Mm -hmm. in a class of mostly white people. Mm -hmm. Um, And this, the class really helped me understand how that's tied to like segregation and, Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. I was inspired to become a lawyer because that's where I learned about the work of people like Thurgood Marshall and what Mm -hmm. he was able to do to desegregate schools as a lawyer. And I said, you know, I still see this issue Mm -hmm. happen in my school. There Mm -hmm. needs to still be people fighting for the fight uh, isn't over. The fight isn't Mm -hmm. over. And I said, Mm -hmm. like, I want to be part of that fight. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I that's when I on a, on a path to just, I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. I want to be like Thurgood Marshall. I want to do civil wow. rights law and I want to fight uh, racism. Right. And that was my, <laughs> that then that put me on a straight path to mm-hmm. going to law school. I just was like, I'm going to law school. I did a lot of uh, community organizing because it was, I wanted to be with the people who were, who were talking about fighting racism. Mm-hmm. I wanted mm-hmm. to be around people and I wanted to understand and really get engaged in that in that struggle and that in that fight and 
Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's what I did and how I got to law school. Wow. And I feel like that's what I still do, but just in a different oh, a yeah. different way. It, it is what you still do. You still are fighting that fight because you realize that it really isn't over. And like that's why, you know, we actually have a platform like this is to bring people up to speed and to let people know that it is it's not um nothing is created equal when you are already at a um uh maybe not where everyone else is that you could be like your white counterparts, you know, like they have parents or grandparents that have all been attorneys. So they know the steps that it takes in order to get to law school or even to college. But you and your sisters had to figure out all those steps on your own with no guidance. That Mm -hmm. is so much more effort. That is, that requires so much more um, diligence and effort. Mm -hmm. And grit, honestly, for lack of better words. (laughs) Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you the only uh, attorney in your family or are, other, are your other sisters attorneys? I am. Nope. I'm the, I'm the only attorney. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. So you went to law school and then you became a political interrupter. Can you give our guests listening or our guests who don't know what that phrase is, just a little brief introduction to what that means and what it is that you do right now? Yeah, I mean, it honestly, it's something that I realized recently that I've actually created um, because of, you know, we'll get into the rules of what it means that will help really uncover uh, why I name it that. But what political interrupter to me is somebody who, who, who fights the system or is just, you know, like mm-hmm. stops interrupts the status quo from continuing Mm. to happen because Mm -hmm. that is because I I know that that is what's necessary in order for us to get the change to get the uh, to to address systemic racism that really just operates naturally in our Mm -hmm. systems because that's how our systems were built is to is to oppress certain people Mm -hmm. um and so to me like being an interrupter is a good thing but it's also very challenging uh Mm -hmm. and that's what I, i really wanted to talk about it today is to uh to talk about why it's important to be an interrupter if you want to be an agent for change which is what I'm hoping, you know, all, all of us will want to be with using our law degree because we are, we have, these degrees are special. Not everyone has them. Um, and I believe that we should use them for good. All right. So as you're saying, Cynthia, it's important to utilize our education so that we can be change agents and political interrupters. And so we came up with three rules. I don't know if you know, we Iraq all our episodes and today's no different. And the three rules that we came up with in order to become a political interrupter are one, be yourself. Don't lose yourself trying to be someone else. Two, find your people. You can't do this work alone. And then three, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, which I really like, and I can't wait to get to that role. But can we um, definitely tap into the analysis and just start off with, what do you mean by being yourself? I mean, it's kind of cliche, but honestly, when you're a political interrupter, how do you authentically be yourself? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you guys and many of, you know, the non-traditional law students, um, have had this experience before where you walk in and you don't feel like you belong because society has this idea of, or you already walk in 
with this society's idea of who a lawyer is or what a lawyer is supposed to be like or act like. And then even as you're going through law school, um, the things that people are praised for, overworking, you know, like I slept in the law library, you know, like I, um, or I'm like the first one to always raise my hand or there's, there's only these successful lawyers are the ones who uh, tally their classes or go to a large law firm. Like there, there is this idea that is put in your head and it's just compounded by the fact that if you're a student of color, if you're a non-traditional law student, you just feel that pressure even more mm-hmm. to want to be, to not be yourself. Right. There's that pressure to think that in order for me to be successful, I can't be myself because I need to be this way or that way. It's like a heightened sense Um, of imposter syndrome. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what this rule is speaking to. Mm -hmm. Um, I went through that myself. Mm -hmm. Like it's a huge and you go through it in law school. Mm -hmm. You feel like by the end, you're like, okay, I got this. But then you step into, you know, your first day on the job. And what do you think the lawyer's hair look like? They don't look like us. Right. Like not all the time. In some, you know, circumstances they do. Uh, and that's great. But like usually your boss and your colleagues, mm-hmm. it's it's the same thing mm-hmm. in the profession. So um, and then there's that that space where you have to navigate that too. And you feel like you have to assimilate mm-hmm. uh, or change how you dress, how you look, how you talk. Right. Uh, in order to be seen as a lawyer or feel respected. Mm-hmm. But what, I, what, what I'm saying here and what I've learned through this process is that it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, you may get some small gains, you may get some small benefits from, from wanting to assimilate, mm-hmm. uh, but in the end, it's not going to serve you well. You're going to end up being someone that you don't want to be, you don't like, you may lose people that are truly your people mm-hmm. uh, in order to get to being this person that you're not. Right. And in the end, like you realize that it was way better to just be yourself right. from the beginning. Because That's so true. You, there's a reason, there's a purpose that brought you to where you are. Don't lose that, trying to be somebody you're not. What the world needs what your colleagues need, what the future needs is for you to be, be authentic, be yourself, even if it's hard to do, because Mm -hmm. that's, that's who, like, as somebody who's gone through that process and is somebody who hires, you know, hires people, hires lawyers out of law school. Like Mm -hmm. I want people who are themselves. I want people to be authentic because we all bring something different to the table And our, our differences is what makes the world better, what makes workplaces better mm-hmm. and more beautiful. And and that in itself is going to change the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, like, let it end now where you're pretending to be someone who you think you should be. Mm-hmm. I say be yourself right now and mm-hmm. fight that fight. Fight a fight where you can be yourself mm-hmm. because when you do that, then you allow others who come after you or are with you in your spaces. You give them also the empowerment, the encouragement to be themselves. Oh my God. Yes. That's a good segue to our, our next role about being yourself because if you're not yourself, you, you don't know who to find or sometimes you find the wrong people. So right. Can you talk about like, you know, how you find your people after finding essentially yourself. Yeah, it, I mean, you find your people when you are yourself. Like that's how you find who you your real people are. And mm. the reason why this is so important is because 
you know, we're talking about being a political interrupter. Mm -hmm. When you're disrupt, I'll just say when you're disrupting, when you're when you're standing up for change or when you're asking for things to be done differently or you're challenging people in power, Mm -hmm. um, you need other people who will support you Mm -hmm. or else, you know, you may not win that battle. And it may and what it and even if you don't win then who do you go back to to keep you encouraged right. to yeah. say like no you did the right thing it's okay mm-hmm. um i've just been i've been in so many situations where it's i, I needed my people to either stand up with me right. or to be there when i fall mm-hmm. um yeah. and they're just so critical to to that struggle um you know, I think about when I ran for, for office, mm-hmm. um, I am the first woman of color to ever be elected in the city of Tukwila, which is a city where people of color make up the majority of our city. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really surprised by that fact, right. but then really thinking about like historically and just, <laughs> I didn't think it would be me, but like, that's really where we are right now. Right. And you know, we could, we could go into that whole thing. But what I wanted to say about being a first right. uh, is is that it's there is no one before you. Like, who do you look to right. to for guidance, for mentorship? Right. Um, and what really helped me and empowered me and inspired me from that first day of being on the job is I had a, another council member that was sitting right next to me. His name was Zaki Don. He was the first Somali uh, elected official in our whole state, first Muslim elected official in our whole state. Wow. And on that on that first day, like I was like a deer in headlights, like I didn't know what to do. They were passing motions and I was like there. I didn't know what to say. And he like bent over next to me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> he bent over next to me and say he wrote down on my paper, like, say this. He told oh. me exactly what to say. Um, and like there was just that that sense of like feeling of belonging and just like wow you you know you you got my back I really appreciate that um and from that day on like he was my confidant the person that I felt like I could call up and and talk about really uh really big issues Mm -hmm. that happen within the city and it happens a lot you know there's a lot of issues that we deal with as city council yeah and sometimes you just need someone that you could be real with of like you know you can't say on the dais like oh i think this lady right Right. here is racist you know because there's some things you can't just say but i can call him up and be real with him right. and say, you know, what do you think? Right. This person, right. <laughs> what they said was really racist. What should we do about it? Yeah. Um, and you need people like that uh, in your corner, in your workplace. Um, so find your people and totally. make make time to really find those people. What I'll also say is, you know, don't think that it's, it's always the people who are the same race as you or because yeah. in my workplace you know, there, there aren't a lot of people who are people of color and, but I've still have been able to find uh, white allies mm-hmm. who are, are willing to like be real with me, mm-hmm. who will support me um, in those spaces as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, I feel like over the course of these last four seasons, one of the main things that does come up from um, a lot of students is figuring out the people aspect because we're so in a new space and because we're non-traditional 
and we don't know who to trust, who to go to. I think finding, you know, your um, your confidants, your big supporters, your mentors, your sponsors, that has always been one of like the hardest questions because law school doesn't prepare you for that or teach you like maybe proper in-depth heart-to-heart networking. So, so mm. I'm happy that you said that it all starts with being yourself because once you can actually be you, then you open the doors to finding the like-minded people who help you to be authentic and stay on track and that you can be, you know, um, yourself with and say anything. So I, yeah, I think that answers a lot of questions for a lot of people. So it really got to start with that first rule. But and then, yeah. oh, sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to share, um, you know, other good places to to look. And if, it, if you're not finding in your workplace are minority bar associations. I know that mm-hmm. to those events, finding people there. Um, And then there's also, you know, wherever you are, there are always like leadership programs. There's a really good leadership program called the Washington Leadership Institute. It's for people who are between three, I think three and uh, 10 years out of law school. They try to get some of the new attorneys, uh, (laughs) non-traditional law like attorneys um, who are interested in in you know, making a change in their communities and they bring mm-hmm. us together and they, we talk about these kinds of issues with, uh, with other mentors who have gone through it. So I just mm-hmm. want to give a plug for the Washington Leadership Institute of which I'm on the board. Okay. Um, so <laughs> keep look into that. It's a great program. And then um, in, in law school, okay, I went to Seattle perfect. University. Yeah. I was in this program called the ARC program. Uh, that brings together some of the non-traditional law students um, and we find community there mm-hmm. just in being yeah. being ourselves and being different and being appreciated for being uh, who we are. Mm-hmm. So find, find spaces mm-hmm. like that too if you don't find them in your immediate workplace. All right. And then that, that brings us to our last rule. Um, you know, once you've once you're comfortable with being yourself, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, some might say being in law school is uncomfortable all three years of it. <laughs> but can you talk about, like, how you found that comfort and just being a political disruptor <laughs> or interrupter and just being uncomfortable yeah. in that space? Um, let So I, one of my 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 qualities but also my negatives is that i'm i realize i'm a people pleaser mm. like i love just i Same. i want people to be happy like yeah. that's my and i do whatever um to make people happy and that hasn't mm. that served me well in some respects but not in all mm-hmm. uh and the reason why it's that i tied this in as rule number 3 um, is because you can't be a people pleaser if you are mm-hmm. going to be an interrupter. Like mm-hmm. no. I can't make, <laughs> I can't make my boss happy if mm-hmm. if I like really disagree with her on a specific issue of a way to go. Mm-hmm. Like if if there's change that needs to happen, and people who are don't want it to be changed, like I I can't just back down. I need you need to be a fighter. You need to be comfortable with with being uncomfortable and saying uncomfortable things, because Mm -hmm. if you're fighting for fairness, for justice and for Mm -hmm. transformational change, 
then there, what does that change piece mean? It means like you got to disrupt the status quo. You right. got to change some things in there and it's uncomfortable. It is always uncomfortable. Um, and the way that I found comfort right. in being uncomfortable, right. the way that you deal with that situation is by holding on to your why. Um, at the beginning of this discussion, I talked about why I went to law school. Right. It was because I wanted to be, I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to be a, mm -hmm. a proponent of civil rights. I wanted to further the, the struggle for mm -hmm. justice yeah. and fairness. And I wanted to eliminate racism wherever I went. I wanted to be a part of that, that struggle and that battle. And I realized along the way mm -hmm. that in order to be able to do this, you have to be an interrupter. Right. You have, and in those spaces, it is going to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But the way that you find comfort is by going back to your why and saying, "This is why I'm doing it. I'm un even mm -hmm. though I'm uncomfortable. This is the mo This is when I know I'm mm -hmm. doing something good." Because I go back and I go, why am I here? Why exactly. did, you know, I, I'm a mm -hmm. person of faith. So I say, why did God place me in this situation? Absolutely. Like, what am I supposed to do? And mm -hmm. that is the fire then that carries me to just, mm -hmm. to just saying what I need to mm -hmm. say. And, yeah. you know, like I said, then you fall back mm -hmm. on your people or you get your people to go with you because they know where your heart is. They know why you're there um, and what you're fighting for. And same thing in law school, because I remember like so, um, the times when you feel like you just want to cry, like <laughs> it's so much pressure, you know, like in those times I would put on my headphones and like I would really just meditate and be like, you know, why, why am I here? Why, what was, what is my purpose? What am I trying to do? And it's always, it always helps me, you know, take another step, Yeah. take another step, go another day, just do it, you know, keep going. It's your why. That's that's the, the fire that you're that lights you forever. Like I'm telling you right now, even when running for office, which is something I never thought I would do. Yeah. And something like so scary. And I'm just somebody who just jumps in because I'm like so I'm so close to my why that sometimes I don't think about like the the consequences. But I had my thing that I held on to in those hardest moments is my why. That's your Mm -hmm. That is it. Yes. Even with studying for the bar, yeah. why am I taking this test? Yeah. Oh, why? Right. Why am I giving up? Got to get through summer? this test first. <laughs> it's, it's, you're gonna be like, why am I giving up my summer? Why am I not outside, like having fun, getting a tan, like drinking some, <laughs> some fun drinks? It's just one summer. Just one. Interrupter. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Like all the, I was, I mean, even though you're talking, I was taking notes. I'm just so inspired by your journey and by your why and being yourself. And I think this will really help a lot of students, not even in law school, but just people in general um, to remember why they're doing things. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that plays into um, not only what we're going to use our JD and our education for in the future, but this really helps out a lot of um, 3Ls in our position to finish up law school strong and to remember our why as we prepare for the bar exam, because it's going to be so mentally and emotionally and physically just draining altogether. So if we hone in on our why, remember that and know why it's so important to us, then that will help sustain the fire.
through the, you know, through taking the exam. No, you're why. All right. But before we let you go, Cynthia, we want to ask you two fun questions. The first one is um, your go-to food. And I, I know you said your, your parents are Filipino, so uh, I don't know. Is there some lumpia or some bulu oh. in there that's your favorite? <laughs> Oh man! I mean, I, I'm just asking for a friend. If you ever want to yeah. have a dinner, you know, <laughs> I don't have any in my fridge or my freezer. <laughs> Usually, we have lumpia rolled up, ready to fry uh, in the freezer. That is you that is that has been my go-to food because it's just delicious. But if you want to be, you know, healthy, <laughs> it's probably not no, the best. I would say mangoes. Um, Mangoes Ooh. are my go-to food. I just, I love it just gives me like, reminds me of my yeah. grandma. With their endeavor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. I agree. Um, and then our last question is, what's the pandemic taught you about yourself? Oh, wow. That's like a deep one. Um, <laughs> the pandemic has taught me that I need to slow down uh, and appreciate the appreciate the small things and appreciate every moment. Uh, before the pandemic, you know, I was all go, go, go. I was driving to Olympia. I was dropping kids off at school and I wasn't mm -hmm. seeing them till later. But since the pandemic, like it really just made me really appreciate small things like being mm -hmm. with my kids, being able to pick them up and mm -hmm. being outside. Like, yeah, I'll just so, I'll say that, and I and I don't want to go 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 anymore. <laughs> I just want to rest mm -hmm. and go, rest and go. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice to hear. Yeah. Well, thank you once again, Cynthia, for just a wonderful interview and for just being who you are. And now I want to be more myself as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Good. But for uh, those who are looking for her, KJ, where can they find Cynthia if they also want to learn how to be a political interrupter? Yeah, so Cynthia is on LinkedIn, and she's also on Instagram. At Her uh, Instagram is at Cynthia for Tequila, and Tequila is spelled T-U-K-W-I-L-A. Find us at, at 2 Legit Podcast. That's the number 2 Legit Podcast on Instagram, and you can tune in on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. All right. Thank you once again, Cynthia. You Thank you, Cynthia. A Thanks. Wonderful day. Bye. Thank Bye, you. Bye, Bye.